Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. It's time for the church to acknowledge that we have brothers and sisters who are gay. LGBTs have to find a household of worship that reflects what your views are and what you believe. A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. What's not loving is to look someone in the eye when God says they are in jeopardy of an eternity in hell and merely wink and nod at their sin because you're afraid of being called names. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, great. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. Ooh, this is Wretched Radio, preparing myself to be humiliated. Why? Because you have been busy, and I'm grateful for that. Sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. But Jimmy has informed me that the first question is one that Greg Gifford answered on the Transform podcast. Yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. This okay, week. So, the, so the setup... For the fall of the host is, I'm going to answer the question. Right. And if it isn't as good as Greg Gifford's answer, <laughs> then I look like a numbskull. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. That's the plan. Let's have at it. <laughs> All right. It comes from Scott, who wants to know, he says, Todd, my church provides a nursery, yet without fail, different families bring their fussy, crying babies into the sanctuary for service. This is obviously very distracting. Do I need to repent for thinking these parents are rude and selfish? Well, ask Greg Gifford. (laughs) (laughs) This is a two-way street opportunity. This is is a marriage scenario. This person has this preference. It's not a sin, certainly. This person doesn't find it so mm, enjoyable. Now what do you do? And the answer is you both go to work on it. Both parties must be mindful. And it's a question that I really have to ask myself more than I'm inclined to. Is what I am doing agitating, annoying, distracting? Why? Because I am so inclined to overlook what I'm doing because, hello, it is I. This is the center of the universe you're looking at here. And so I have a tendency to not think anything that I do is agitating, annoying, frustrating, or distracting. And so I need to be asking that question. And if I could potentially identify something, then I work to cut it out. And then conversely, if there is something that is annoying me about another person, I am called to overlook it, to try to not let it bother me. In fact, I'm called to go a step further, to look on the bright side, uh, make, put the best construction on it. So here, let's. I'll just play the role of the agitated person because we don't have small children anymore. So <laughs> they're your kids. You bring them in and they're squawking. My job is to go, hey, this family is bringing their kids to church. They're hearing God's word. I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to have to hunker down and focus despite my ADH, whatever it is, and listen to the sermon without being distracted because praise God, they're bringing their kids into church. 
On the other hand, if I'm the couple with the kids, I have to be mindful that kids squawking in church can be distracting. So what can I do if I'm committed to bringing my kids in? And I certainly don't think that's a sin. Do I think it's mandatory for infants? No, but do I think it's a good idea? Yeah, I do. So you couldn't identify and label that as a sin, but maybe... You could make sure that things are set up so that the kids aren't as fidgety, they aren't as fussy, that they've had their nap, they're full, they're changed. Now go into church. Or are there some things that can amuse a small child without it being distracting, banging pots and pans, crawling on the floor, throwing paper airplanes? Because I want to be mindful of others. And this is why Martin Luther said marriage is an institution for your sanctification. It's a school of character, and so is the local church. Similar opportunities to put up with and then to put off things that could be annoying for others. I So how would I handle this in the church? If you are going to confront the couple because the kids are just, they're, they're, they're wildly out of control in that the parents are oblivious to it. They're not paying attention to it. If I were going to approach that, it would be separately. I might even think about bringing them a little gift, a treat. Hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm so glad you bring your kids to church. That is so awesome. You know, I was wondering, though, would it be possible? Because it's it, it's it's kind of distracting when they're climbing on the back of the pews and running down the house. Do you suppose that maybe... You could try to keep it down with them a little bit. That would be so helpful. That would be such a blessing. Keep bringing them, kids. Gotta go. It's a two-way street. Am I going to be humiliated? <laughs> I don't think so. What did he say? Um, he's doing uh, his he's doing um, his uh, podcast on anger right now. It's in the right. middle of a series on yep. anger. And uh, this this weekend, he uh, the advice that he gives is to um, when you get angry about a situation or it's but someone. Consider their situation. Yeah. Why might this couple be bringing their children into service? Well, I'm going to and I'm going to go a step further and assume that it's all for the best, not because they're being lazy, not for some sort of silly reason. They want their kids to be sitting under the word of God, even though they can't understand it at this point. Well, that's applauded. Mm -hmm. There, There is I don't think the right fix is absolutely no kids or Just bring them in without being thoughtful of others. It's got to be both of those things and putting the best construction on it. Here's another thing that I'll bet Greg Gifford didn't get to. When you get agitated with somebody, let's forget our squawking child scenario. You don't know the struggle that they are in, what the temptation is. Why are they behaving like that? How much deeper might it be? Are they even under some sort of demonic assault? I don't know. Furthermore, here's another thing I don't know. I don't know how I might respond. Would I do better? I don't know exactly what it feels like to walk in another person's shoes. So I put all of those thoughts forefront. Now I work through my response. And if you do indeed need to address something, this is not to suggest that any sort of correction is off the table. We're not doing anybody any favors by never saying anything because I just need to put the best construction on it. That's to whiplash. But you do go to them with these thoughts in mind, sensitively, thoughtfully, compassionately, and in an effort to 
help. And if we do that in the church, I got to tell you something, we will be increasingly attractive to the world who looks in and, well, they don't always see harmony now, do they? Anything else from the doctor who's... whose Transform podcast is available on a streaming device platform series system thing near you. No, nothing else. You just have to listen this weekend to see. It's I do. Yeah. I do. Saturday, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. you probably noticed Mrs. Freel and I go to the gym. And I listen. First thing I do, Transform podcast, because I know that it gets posted at 9 o'clock Eastern time. So I'm like, I am on it. And by the way, so are thousands of others. And there's a reason for it. It's really good. The Transform podcast, Dr. Greg Gifford. You'll find it in the thing that you got on your phone. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This is from David who says, Todd, I just recently had a thought that if someone dies and donates their organs and then they're resurrected on the last day and someone has their heart, eyes, lungs, etc., will the transplantee be stripped of those organs and receive their <laughs> own glorified organs back? Yeah, God will sort it. I don't know. God will sort it. He'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. He's got this. And by the way, it's not just organ transplants. People's bo- people who have been cremated, their ashes are scattered all over the place or dropped into a pond. He'll, he'll sort it. He'll, he'll put it back together. He's omnipotent. He's got this. I Thanks. Glad I could be so helpful. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This is for Melissa. Who's, uh, Todd, I recently learned that uh, my church is using the Enneagram for leadership training and member counseling. When I, when I, I, didn't, I didn't spring a leak in here. <laughs> when I expressed my concerns and shared the evidence of the Enneagram's demonic origins, my church doubled down and basically told me that my freedom in Christ is imprisoned by my views. Oh. Is this enough to leave a church over? Um. Okay. I, 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 I hate to look critical at all in a church situation with a parishioner and pastor. So let me just focus on the Enneagram, and then you can determine if you think it's an issue worth readdressing with your pastor, or should you conclude, and I'm, I'm not sure you should, it, it kind of, it depends on the church. If you're in a Bible-based church, a solid church, first of all, I don't know why they'd be importing the Enneagram, but it can happen, but it's otherwise it's solid and it's good. I'd overlook it. But if it's a church where all kinds of wonky things are happening, this might be the icing on the cake. Ren Cherry, R-H-E-N-N, Cherry, as in Cherry, wrote a book on the Enneagram. I don't recall the title of it, but you can find it, I think, at Amazon. We did a, a review of it here a year or so ago. R-H-E-N-N, Cherry. Why? Because the people who invented this personality system... They imported all kinds of wonky paganism. And for my estimate, it just, we don't need it. Let's just say, let's just say that the Enneagram, you discover that you're a 17X cat or whatever. You're a watermelon shoe or whatever the thing is. And you go, hey, I think I'm going to start volunteering in the nursery. Okay. It could kind of potentially help. But can't you figure that stuff without the Enneagram? We can't figure out our spiritual gifts without an Enneagram. What has the church done for 2,000 years? How did people serve and find a way to get plugged in without the Enneagram? I think it's a big thumbs down. I think it's a really bad idea how you respond. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on your church. 
This is Wretched Radio. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. All right, listen up, parents and married couples. We know better than anyone that there can be times of uneasiness in our homes. Well, if you're ready to revitalize and make a transformation in your family life, then I want to point you in the direction of Wretched.org for a new deal so good, you're going to think it came straight down from heaven. I'm talking about the Joy in the Home Bundle. In the bundle, you're going to find the Drive-By Marriage audio series, the Drive-By Marriage study guide, the Drive-By Parenting audio series, and study guide and last but certainly not least reset for parents now understand this isn't a magical potion that's going to make everyone in your home behave but it's the next best thing so what are you waiting for hurry up head over to wretched.org right now and jump on the path that's going to help you bring joy back into your home don't miss out it's wretched.org it's the joy in the home bundle on sale right now trust me you'll be thanking us later I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important dates in Christian history. 1962, Second Vatican Council begins the most significant council since Trent. It will promote new attitudes and practices in Catholicism as Rome seeks to address the modern age. After Vatican II, priests perform the Mass in the local language whilst facing the congregation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, oh, that's... I remember. It's it's a neogram theology. This is... (laughs) Wretched Radio, am I not going to get a peep out of you? No, not at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> you looked it up. It's Ren Cherry's Enneagram Theology. It is a book well worth reading if your kids are getting into the Enneagram or your church is dabbling with it in some way, shape, or form. It helps you to understand the roots of it and why I think it's a gate opener to not good stuff. It is well worth the read. Salute to Ren Cherry for taking the time to write a book like that. And just a reminder, we don't need anything outside of the Bible and the local church to figure out spiritual gifts. Ask yourself the question, how have we done it for the last 2,000 years? And the answer is, we did it without the Enneagram because we did one anothering together in the context of the local church. I helped you and you helped me to figure out what's your spiritual gift. It is in the context of the local church, working side by side, we see one another and we can encourage one another. Hey, I've noticed you are so excellent with the kids. I heard that they've got a hold of fill in the nursery. Might want to think about it because I'm telling you, you're amazing with the kids. You'd be a blessing to those babies and to those parents. That's how we figured out our spiritual gifts historically with one another. We don't need props. We don't need gizmos. We don't need the white elephant polka dot four dash B personality type for you to know what your spiritual gift is. If you don't, let the local church help you, which is one more reason you should be a member of a local church and send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at ratchet.org. All right. This one is from Josh. Todd, what are your thoughts on Dave Ramsey and his system? He seems to be genuine in his belief of Jesus, even if affiliated with more nominal Christian groups. I know you disagree in regard to giving while you're in debt, but overall, the principle he te- principles he teaches seem to be biblically based. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, other than the giving business, when you're in an unsecured debt situation, get out of debt, then give. Because until you're out of an unsecured debt situation, you don't have money to give and you should be working feverishly to get out so you can enjoy the blessing of giving. I was just reading Acts chapter 4. We Liberals will say, look, that's socialism. No, it wasn't. They were gathered together. A major miracle just took place in that a man over the age of 40 who was lame suddenly could walk. And so Peter and John, they were arrested. They were brought before the religious people. So was the guy who could now walk. It's a great story. And we see that the saints would get together and nobody considered the stuff that they owned theirs. And they would sell it and they would give because they were holding on to it loosely. That isn't socialism. That isn't communism. That, 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 is, that is charity. That's, that's the brethren doing things together. They gave stuff to one another. And if you don't have stuff to give because you're in an unsecured debt position, work to get out of it, then start giving. That's the only quibble that I'm aware of that I would have with the Dave Ramsey system. As far as having a quibble with Dave Ramsey, I've never met the man. I don't I don't know him. So I, I, I wouldn't criticize him. I know nothing about the fellow, but I am familiar with his materials and everything that I've seen is quite helpful and quite good. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Irik. Ton, I am a born-again Christian for years now and was wondering if you would be able to tell me why does at times Jesus pray to the Father or talk about the Father when we know Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one? Because it's three persons. That's why we believe in the Trinity, because of things that we see in the Bible, the way that they treated one another, talked to one another, interacted with one another, They are separate persons, hence one God, three persons. Please remember, 
Should you have any interest in the Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, they, 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 they don't got that right. The Holy Spirit isn't a person. They believe that he's just an emanation. Furthermore, we also believe in three distinct persons, one God, as opposed to, say, I don't know, T.D. Jakes and Oneness Pentecostalism and modalism, which is the Sabellian heresy, which is that God is one and he manifests himself different times in different manifestations. That's a heresy. If you would like to have clarification on this, I encourage you, go read the Athanasian Creed. You'll be edified for it and send stuff to idea at wretched.org. This is from Sam Todd. Uh, today, my roommate and I were having uh, a debate about joy and sanctification. My roommate was saying that the fruit of sanctification we see in our life should not be a source of joy for us. Hmm. It should only be the cross. I rebuff that, saying that the cross should be our source source of joy, but the fruit in our life are, is evidence of the work of the cross, and, o- yeah. and only because of the work of the cross. So that's my question: Is should the fruit that God produces in our life be a source of joy? Yeah, we. It, it's it's certainly something that can be celebrated. I wouldn't hang my my joy code on it because. You might have some days where you could be robbed of joy because, well, your sanctification wasn't so spanky that day. So ultimately, it is in Christ and Christ alone. But when we see the work of Christ in ourselves or others, we can absolutely be encouraged by that, edified by that, strengthened by that, and even have joy. That is why I got to tell you, I dig the baptismal testimony so much. That gives me joy. Cool. God is working. So I, I I wouldn't become so theologically restrictive that I would say you can't find a source of joy in anything else but the cross. Okay, furthermore, God does give blessings. Now, I'm not sure that those things cause joy as much as happiness. And I know, for instance, Randy Alcorn would say there really is no distinction. Regardless, God gives us stuff and it's like, that makes me happy. Thank you, Lord, as long as we're 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 kind of Corey Ten Brooking. She was asked, how do you handle all of the encouragement and compliments? She said, I see those those compliments, those kind words as a rose. They hand it to me. I take a sniff and then I hold it up and I offer it to the father and give it to him. Okay. Similarly, something in your life, you see some suddenly, what? I didn't even think about looking at porn today. Whoa. Now, if you conclude I am doing really well, and I have joy because of me. You're doing it wrong. But if you say, Lord, you're working in me. Wow, I'm so encouraged. And that gives me joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Then it is appropriate. So let's be careful, but let's not be overly restrictive. I got to tell you, this book that I'm reading by Heath Lampert, can't, can't wait to share it with you. He hit on something that I think it is safe to say we have probably been saying around here in wretched land for 15, 20 years, just because a group of really bad theologians and Christians that are questionable at best abuse a doctrine, let us not let them rob us of the joy of that theology. You hear so so much glop and so much ooey gooey and so loving and God is like a longing boyfriend who just and we just and then somebody says God is love and we go whoa 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 pal and Heath hit on that we should be Christians who do indeed I'm going to use the word bask in the love of God oh great 
Now you're getting all liberal. No, no, I'm not. We should be enjoying the thought that God actually genuinely loves us. And when we realize any good thing that we have, any good thing that we do, it is from him, for him, to him. Let's let it give us some joy. And do you know what would make me joyful? That's right. Sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to ID at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Anonymous. Todd, I have committed fornication, sex outside of my marriage with my girlfriend who's not yet my wife. The sin is ongoing in our relationship, but I am burdened with guilt and shame toward Christ. How do I get right with God and how am I to eradicate this sin when it is so hard when you're together and so easily justified in my mind in the moment? Mm. This is probably not the answer that this fellow was looking for. But the first thing that I would do is repent to God immediately. Then I would find that woman and release her so that she can go find a godly man who will lead her even before you get married. Because currently you're abusing that woman and you are not qualified yet to be a husband. Set her free. Tell her to go find somebody who is better at being a husband, a man, and a father. And then, get on it. Start playing the man. Stop with whatever it is that is leading you into this temptation. See that your role as a man is going to be to lead your family. And if you can't do it in this regard, you won't be able to do it in that regard. And start working on elevating your thinking, getting control of your members, being a captain who's in charge of what it is that your body is doing instead of letting it whip you all over the place. Find yourself an adult male who is godly, who can disciple you through this. Get some accountability and start striving to be dignified and sanctified and prepared to be a father and a husband. Because right now, you're not. And I'll tell you this, you marry that woman, you will be bringing more baggage into that marriage than you can even begin to imagine. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. Well, in a world where parenting advice can be as reliable as a chocolate teapot, who would have thought that Elon Musk would be the voice of reason? Yep, that's right. The richest man in the world recently said that any parent or doctor who sterilizes a child before they can consent should spend life behind bars. You know, and it's not every day that I agree with Elon Musk, but... I second that. But in Florida, a certain professor, Joseph Cabrera, has waved goodbye to his $190,000 per year gig at Florida State University. Why? Well, accusations have surfaced of the good professor faking data in racism studies. Talking about a career nosedive. Just goes to show you honesty, the best policy. Well, the state legislature in Missouri has decided that they're going to defund public libraries because they want to protect youngsters, minors, from running across sexually explicit material lurking in the stacks. Not going to say that there probably weren't other alternatives. Don't know where I'm exactly falling on this yet, but I'm not hating it 100%. 
In Minneapolis, the city's turning the volume up to 11 because they're going to allow Muslims to broadcast calls to prayer five times a day on loudspeakers without any time restrictions because they're all about inclusivity, even if it means waking you up at the crack of dawn. And at the White House, they're patting themselves on the back with an ad campaign which takes credit for lower inflation. <laughs> Just making stuff up and taking credit for it. I mean, I guess that works in the culture we're living in. Let me try it. Hi, Jimmy Hicks of Wretched Radio. I invented and I'm responsible wholly for the success of the Squatty Potty. That's not true, but I said it, so it must be true. Believe it. And start sending me checks. Residents in Flint, Michigan left shaking their heads because their mayor recently skipped an emergency water alert because he had to make sure to make his kids Easter egg hunt. Priorities, candy field eggs, greater than clean water for my constituents. Wonder how that re-election's gonna go. And on the pro-life front, an appeals court has banned mail-order abortions, but they did restore strict limits on the murder pill. May not be the home run we were looking for, but we'll dig any win we can get in the fight for life at the moment. Speaking of that fight for life, our vice president, Campbell Harris, seems to think killing babies and abortions somehow comparable to chemotherapy. Takes a lot of mental gymnastics to reach that conclusion. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. We have more Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teaches us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man says we can earn God's favor through good works, but the wisdom of God is made known in Jesus Christ. God in human flesh, put to death on the cross to grant us forgiveness we cannot earn. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. <laughs> and you thought this program was organized, planned, and disciplined. <laughs> Silly rabbit, this is Wretched Radio. Before we dip back into the mailbag with your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, send to idea at wretched.org. Should I be out of breath from talking? Yes. Zoinks Scoob would like to take a visit and have some coffee with you. Uh, it is Life Over Coffee. It is the website of Rick Thomas. He is a marriage counselor, and he is one of the few people that I have ever exposed what the consequences of premarital sex are. A couple that is engaging in that act before they say, I do, and I don't care if it's a week before, it is a year before, how ongoing it is, you are going to bring baggage into the marriage. Let me take you to Life Over Coffee. Most of the couples, writes Rick, I see for marriage counseling, had consensual sex before marriage. And though their pre-marriage fornication does not represent all their problems, you can typically discern a constellation of sinful patterns that are associated with and flows out of their unresolved and undiscussed infidelity. Huh. This was the case for Biff and Mabel. As I began to unpack their current marriage problems, I saw clusters of issues tied to their past issues of premarital sex. The sin of fornication and how they handled it was a template for how they handled all of their problems for the next 21 years before the divorce. Take a look at the list below and notice how these issues tied to their infidelity also applies to the problems that they had after they were married. It's as though sexual sin was a snapshot of how they would do life as a married couple. One, God. They ignored God to have fun. They marginalized the Lord. 
Two, communication. They did not communicate well with each other, especially about problems. She internalized. He was dismissive. That pattern will continue to resurface. Number three, rationalizing. Biff was able to justify his sin, and that angered her. Hey, this was a bad thing. Why aren't you upset? And look at the tension. Four, conscience. Mabel had conscience issues by not dealing with sin correctly. Biff seemed impervious. Disrespect. She disrespected Biff for poor spiritual leadership. Bingo. Maybe you've heard that term. You're a young man and you've heard the term spiritual leadership. Let me tell you what that means in part. Do not abuse the girl you're dating. I'm talking about anything. You have no rights to her. None. You are not even close to having those rights. So if you are doing things to her body, you need to repent and you need to apologize to her and you need to set her free because you're abusing her. That's what spiritual leadership is. You get yourself under control and you put your own desires behind what is best and right for the woman that the Lord might give to me. And you start doing it now. Don't wait. Uh, I just, I just, I know a couple. Let's just leave it at that. I know a couple. And he gets agitated because she puts stuff on the stairs you know, to take it someplace, and she never does. And it'll sit there for like three, four weeks. Wait a second. So your wife, the one that you swore to cherish and to serve, leaves something on the stair for three weeks, and all it does is cause you to simmer and get agitated? I've got an idea. Pick it up and take care of it for her. Well, she needs to learn that you got to put your stuff downstairs. Dude, man up. Be a spiritual leader. Deny yourself. Consider what Jesus denied for you. Act like him. Back to coffee. She disrespected Biff for his poor spiritual leadership. Biff felt her disrespect, but never connected it to his failures as a leader. There was manipulation. Many instances where Biff would just sin away to get what he wanted, and she now felt manipulated, devalued. She was discouraged. Mabel's ability to sin would always tempt her to be discouraged, disconnected. Now Mabel's got low-level anger and resentment toward Biff, and it's gradually growing from when they were doing that before they got married. They became spiritually distant from each other. Then there was ignorance. Low-level ignorance on Biff's part, disregard for spiritual things, eventually broke up the marriage. Fornication before marriage, it's a big deal. Now, what should you do? What should you do? Might I suggest to you, uh, you're going to have to open up the door on this one and confess it to one another. You're going to have to let your elders know if your parents are involved in your life. You're wise if you let them in on it so that they can guide you and counsel you through this. And I would suggest at the very least, sir, you need to take time. And I'm talking months, maybe a year or even two, where you act like a man. And that might mean that you don't even get to do things together. So that you work on these things urgently. Let somebody help you. But it's going to start by actually confessing it. There is a way for things to get better. 
So please don't be committing this sin and thinking it ain't no big whoop. Or you know what? We'll just stop now. And then it'll be three months before we get married. So that somehow just kind of wipes the slate clean. It doesn't. You're going to be importing a host of issues into your marriage if you do not confess it to one another, confess it to God, and confess it to others so that they can disciple you through this. I'm sorry, but this is it's it's there isn't enough, in my estimation, that I've read out there, because a lot of young men, they actually are seeking to be godly men. They they really are. And sometimes we see these ridiculous caricatures, just as bad as Dylan Mulrooney is at pretending to be a girl. You've got these caricatures of men. <laughs> you're the head of the household, and you're the, you're the patriarch, and you need to let him know who's boss. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I think that's a caricature of a man. A man doesn't have to be wimpy, but he does have to be sacrificial. Just to give up on his own. That's being manly. That's... That's being manly. You you don't hear that in culture, and you don't hear it often enough in the church. It's not about how much you can bench press or how many antlers you have in the family room. It is about having yourself under control, putting others' needs in front of you. Start practicing that now in your home, in the context of your local church. And I'm telling you, you will slowly discover, oh, this is what it means to be a man and send your stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this next question comes. What? Nothing. Nothing. I'm not laughing at you. I was you, just. You want to lecture me. No, 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 no. I agree with everything you're saying. It just reminds me of uh, in two weeks, the uh, the uh, next series that Dr. Greg Gifford's going to be starting on the Transform podcast is uh, Biblical Masculinity. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Yep. I'll listen to that. Mm. Greg's a dude. No, actually, it doesn't matter. If, if, if Greg, he's he's pretty pumped up lately. Have you seen him? No, I haven't. <laughs> you see, season one, Greg Gifford, and season two, Greg Gifford, they, they're different. Let's uh, just say that. <laughs> he's just he's just getting pretty. He's getting pretty Vody Bacham is what I'm saying oh, to you. Okay. It doesn't matter how masculine we perceive. Now, a guy shouldn't be a sissy, but genuine masculinity isn't, ah, I'm loud. Ah. And that's why this whole Dylan Mulrooney thing is so agitating. And, sir, I don't think that we tend to get it because we just see this guy acting kind of silly. That is so offensive to women. So offensive to women. It's just... Mm, a caricature, as if I came in here and said, so I'm going to teach you how to be a man. Here we go in three, two. <laughs> hey, yo, what? Shut up. What do you do? Don't be such a pansy. You'd go, calm down. Quit acting like an obnoxious stereotype of a man. Accentuating what are tendencies and making them an absolute caricature and that's what that kid is doing and here's an opportunity for us to be manly we need to speak out we need to say things we you know what jimmy now that you've interrupted me again <laughs> sorry i've got this is this is from uh, babylon b saying what should we do about this dylan mulvaney kid here's what he says he's not well he's suffering deeply and no amount of cosmetics fancy clothes Lucrative endorsements, going to fix it. They will only mask it for a while. 
They're going to discard him as soon as they're done with him. But we realize that he is an image bearer of the creator, that he is a place in God's eternal architecture and needs help. So we have an opportunity in two ways. Evangelize these people who need help. Be honest and say, look, this isn't like that you actually are the opposite gender. You've got some confusing things going in your body, and we want to help you with that. And we want to help you understand reality and the truth of your existence. And that I love this line, that you have a place in God's eternal architecture. And along the way, we can defend women. I'm sorry. You can't you can't make fun of women like that. You can't treat our children like that. You don't have to do it with a pistol in your hand. You don't have to dress like you're in the Marines. But we have to be strong with our convictions and protect those who are being mocked and ridiculed. And it doesn't have to be in a kind of way. That's that's being manly. And I got to tell you something right now. I hate to say it. Um, there's a lot of men who aren't acting very manly when it comes to defending women. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are so grateful for your support, whether you're listening to or watching our resources or whether you're purchasing them from the Wretched Store. Now, let's talk about those resources that our gospel partners have helped to create. You've got the godfather of it all, Wretched Radio, of course, and then you have Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, the Transform Podcast, Breaking Bread, our monthly newsletter, our website, all of our gospel booklets and other books like Jesus Unmasked, Stressed Out, Judge Not, and others. All of this incredible content is only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. So will you join us in our efforts to reach millions with the gospel? We promise to never waste your money, but we do need your support. Now, you might be asking, okay, so how do I become a gospel partner? Simple. Just visit us at wretched.org slash donate, or you can also text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from 
pre-born. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at pre-born centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. Henry VIII's act of supremacy makes the king, not the pope, head of the Church of England. While Henry's concerns were largely political, his archbishop, Thomas Cranmer, worked to mold the Anglican Church into a thoroughly Protestant church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Perhaps this illustration will help if Jimmy doesn't keep interrupting this year Wretched Radio program. Dating is dicey business. When you're just going out with somebody of the opposite gender, woo, you're playing a Russian roulette kind of game because there are dangers afoot. In my estimation, if you want to call it dating, I wouldn't quibble over semantics, but is it intentional? Is it because you are moving forward potentially toward marriage? Because if it's just, hey, we're going to have some fun, kind of check it out. Think of it. Like going to the grocery store without money. I've got this worked out, Jimmy, so just let me be with this illustration. It's really good. It's like going to the grocery store without money. You're either going to leave disappointed or you're going to take something that didn't belong to you. Huh? It's good. Pretty good illustration. It's tweetable. Yeah, Paul Washer already did. The point is, (laughs) (laughs) be careful if you're dating, if you're young and you're dating, You already have a responsibility to that young lady and to her family and, of course, to your God. Start being a man now. Be intentional. Be sanctified. Lead her now because if you can't lead her now and if you're willing to abuse her now, that that ain't going to stop. And please note that, young lady, if you're with a boy and he's taking advantage of your body, that will never stop and it will enter into other realms. He will take advantage of you in a plethora of ways. Be wise and send stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right. Now we move on to John. Todd, should Christians be concerned about AI? Artificial intelligence? Mm -hmm. That's how smart I is. (laughs) Yes and no. I think Carl Sagan just said something like AI, it's going to, it's just going to, it's worse than global warming if there were such a thing. It has some dangers. One of the, one of the concerns that I have, and it's a consideration about technology that I'm afraid we don't even put on the back burner. We've thrown it off the stove. What's the impact this is going to have on human beings? Human beings are the cream of the creative crop. AI should serve. It shouldn't displace. And you say, well, wait a second. Technology is good. And I say, I agree with you. But that doesn't mean we have to accept everything without asking some questions and perhaps putting the brakes on it. AI is going to displace people in their work. So I think it was on Wednesday, was talking to a kid at the university campus. And I asked him, what field are you going into? And it was finances. And somehow the subject of AI came up. And he said, 
no, no, no. I know what it was. I said, oh, you're going into finances. That's a robust field. And he goes, yeah, I'm a little worried about AI. He's right. It could start displacing more jobs. And I know that's happened historically. And I know that overall it has helped to elevate the standard of living for most people. But it doesn't mean we need to blindly accept things that might be bad for human beings. They are here to serve us, not vice versa. So that's the bigger concern I have is that a lot of people are going to be displaced from their employment and people could suffer. Families could struggle because of that. Am I, however, concerned that somehow they're going to displace humans? Never. Never. It, they can't. A thing cannot kick us off of the top of the mound that God has placed us on. Can't do it. They need to be programmed. We can unplug them. They need electricity. They're, you're not going to walk around and go, there's an AI bot walking around independent without any need of sustenance. We've, we can have mastery over them. I think there's a threat that there's going to be a whole lot of dissemination of bad news and wrong information that gets spread through it. I'm sure that is going to happen. I'm, I suspect we'll get a handle on it. I just, Jimmy, I don't know if you read this story. A woman, she was at the, she was at her other daughter's dance class. She picks up the phone. It's her daughter crying. Mommy, help me. I've really messed up. And then some guy comes on and he's like, if you don't send a million bucks. And in the meantime, she hears her daughter scream, I'm going to really wreck your daughter. And she's screaming and crying in the background. Ah! It was all artificial. Yeah. That's, mm. Wasn't it? Oh, how wicked and cruel. Oh, are there going to be things like that that we're going to have to deal with? Yes. But I don't think you need to be scared of them. I don't think you need to be afraid. Besides, who's with us? I don't care if Carl Sagan, I, I don't care if all the Silicon Valley smart guys are against us. God is for us. Don't panic. Don't let it control your life. If you don't want to play in that territory, unplug from it. Don't be a part of it. Last night, Mrs. Freel and I were chatting. She was She's reading a book, and I love that she's reading this book because then I'm not going to have to because I want to get the good stuff out of the content. So she's marking it up. So I just have to read the highlighted stuff. She was talking about maps that historically we didn't have them. It was only near the Middle Ages when we started to you know, put maps together to say, hey, the territory and you go here and you go there. Uh, what's the significance of this? What does this have to do with anything? Well, prior to maps, it was like in general things are, but I'm not really globally aware. And you didn't know everything that was going on and what threat was here, what bad activity was happening there. And you kind of stayed confined to your little region because it was familiar. And then this particular book started talking about time, clocks. We didn't always have them. We were an agrarian culture for millennia. What time is it? I don't know. It's, uh, well, it's fall. I know that. And looking at the sun, now oh, there's some clouds. So I'm guessing, you know, if they had any sort of you know, time for it, was about nine o'clock. Okay. How did we keep track of time? Well, we had sand glasses. We had some really crude systems for doing that, but then they became increasingly sophisticated. And then we had clocks and then we had clocks put into 
public places, monasteries, they were really the ones that forwarded more the awareness of what the actual time is because they had to do their prayers, the Roman Catholic system, seven times a day. You got to do the prayers at this particular time. So they wanted something to tell the time so that they could be obedient and earn their way to heaven because they didn't believe that Jesus Christ earned it for them. The point is we got increasingly sophisticated. The next thing you know, the big tower in the middle of town was a clock. Then the next thing you know, you got a clock on your nightstand. Now you got a clock on your wrist. And it became our master in many ways. It, it just, it, it, I got it. Look, we got to get this done. We got to get going. We got we to gotta leave so we can get back. And it has become a, a master and we are its slaves. And we got to be mindful of these things. Technology can be good and it can be a blessing. I'm glad I know what time it is. But this book's observation is correct. Has it not become a taskmaster of your life? Get to bed now. It's 10 minutes after your bedtime. It just it just controls us in so many ways. Let's have the technology, but let's control it and not vice versa. And we don't need to be afraid of it. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question is from Mike. Todd, how should Christians view self-esteem? What do you mean by self-esteem? Do you mean that you're an image bearer of God? Do you mean that God places his love on you because he is love? Do you mean that you have value because you're valued by God when he doesn't need to? Sure, then fine with that. But self-esteem these days typically is self-love. I'm amazing. I can do all things. It's the power of positive thinking. No, no, no. The, our problem isn't that we love ourselves enough. It's that we love ourselves too much. That's why Jesus said, here's the high water mark for love, your love for yourself. You want to know what the gold standard of love is? How you feel about you. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. So self-esteem in that, hey, yeah, I'm made from dirt, but I'm made by God himself. And he sustains my life and he's planned an eternity for me. Whoa, that feels great. Rock on. I love me. I'm amazing. I deserve a ribbon. I should get a tip even though I work at the counter. I'm sorry. I snuck that last because that's kind of a thing. Okay. What are you holding up there? Jay Adams has a book. Yep. The biblical view of self-esteem, self-love and self-image. Where would that book be available, Jimmy? Wretched.org. Cool. Yep. Got to watch out for the self-esteem business. It's a worldly idea out of California, 1970s. I'm sure we've talked about it before when we were talking about time and maps. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Claudia says, Todd, I keep hearing uh, different pastors praying about people being broken. Is this biblical? Can we say we are broken and not sinful? Uh, I think it's a good word, actually. But I don't think they're, they should be mutually exclusive. We are broken people. Our brains are busted. That's 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3. Our logic machines, kind of kafritz, they aren't running on all cylinders. It's the noetic effect of the fall. Our brains are in our emotions and our will. All of it, it feels the effects of the fall. So we are broken people, but we are simultaneously sinful people because broken people kind of relieves me of the burden and responsibility for my actions, particularly my sins. So we're broken people. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But let's not replace the word sin with broken. You know, we're we're just a hurting people, aren't we? Aren't we just hurting? Yes. Yes, we are. But we're 
sinful people who need a savior. We have a tendency to do this with words. We kind of replace one with another. Oh, here's the one that here's the word that I like. Hey, Jimmy, do you know what kind of friend I am? What kind? A fierce friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's it's like, okay, and that's kind of the word to describe. He was fierce about fill in the blank. Okay, some words can be colorful. They can be helpful. But at the end of the day, that's right. I just said at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we need to use biblical words. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs> <laughs>